Plundergrounds, Plundergrounds, welcome back to a brand new show. Ray's gonna take you where you didn't know you wanted to go. Fantasy and dungeon delve, science fiction, watch yourselves. Hi Ray, I really like that idea of applying the sort of play to find out idea to character creation. You know, with the level zero characters not having a class at the beginning and finding out through play how they would react. I have sort of found in the last couple of uh, play-by-post games I've been involved in that the, for me, characters are very sort of emergent um, and you don't really know who you're dealing with until, uh, you know, the action starts um so yeah that's interesting i i kind of feel that the characters i have at the at the moment seem only very loosely connected to their class and i wonder if that approach would um create a different feeling from one to satan <laughs> how cool is that i am not surprised that you're considering spinning that off into a segment on table questions I for one think that is a great idea and I really look forward to hearing what questions you come up with I like to have a few questions for the table I think it's a really good tip just to have them there ready things to iron out aspects of the game that it's really difficult to do if if you just don't ask the questions and the other thing you touched on was the sort of zero level funnel i've done a similar thing i don't so much think of it as a funnel as maybe like a narrative character generation or emergent character generation just pick a name and and start the session and then if they need an ability we roll it there and then excellent those are two great responses about the idea of emergent characters I am a big fan of emergent characters. In fact, I have a personal problem with pre-planned characters. I know other people like to or have fun doing characters uh, that are on an arc that's decided from the very beginning. You know, you've figured out your, all your mechanical stuff and you've really got an image of what the 10th level character looks like in your head before you even start at first level. And then maybe you also write a bunch of backstory and all that kind of stuff. But to me, that's an anathema to role playing in general. And personally, it's just I can't do it. I can't do it. Even with this 5e campaign that Dan is running one of the first things he asked us to do was basically, hey, don't don't worry about anything. Just come to the table with a race and a background. And uh, I was still picking my race when I got to the table. I didn't even get the message about the background. So I, I went through the first two sessions without a background. But um, I was so like conflicted about the choice of race because in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, there is a inherent mechanical bias between class and race, so whatever race you pick, um, there's you're going to be better at some classes than others just because of your attribute bonuses and how um, important attribute bonuses are in 5th edition. So I got all conflicted about what kind of class I wanted to play, and 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 my, uh, you know, played in, playing into that was thoughts about what kind of cl- uh, 
I think I just said class. I meant I got conflicted about what kind of race I wanted to play. And um, built into that was being conflicted about what kind of class I wanted to play because I just was taking the two things together. And um, it made for kind of a problematic first session for me because I, on some level, felt like I was supposed to be angling towards something and was trying a little too hard and then being disappointed if, uh, if the fiction wasn't sort of serving me at the time to angle for that. And, uh, I had to give all that up, right? Somewhere in about two thirds of the way through the first session, I'm like, just forget, you know, don't worry about what class you're going to be. Just, uh, I chose wood elf by the way. So it was either going to be a wood elf, a gnome or a half ogre and, uh, or half ogre. <laughs> That'd have been kind of cool. Half orc. Um, so I chose Wood Elf, and I decided, you know what, just be a Wood Elf, right? Just be a Wood Elf, and then get your background in order. And so, like, I had to get my background in order and all that kind of stuff uh, so that I could relax and just play uh, as as a character and not worry about what kind of class I was going to be. And that's it's kind of weird, isn't it? Uh, but certainly, you know, when we did a session zero for this one, Dan did a real strong session zero. Um, by strong, I mean, he, he sort of forced a lot of discussion uh, in a good way about, um, you know, how we treat dice and, uh, what do we do when, a, when a player's missing for the night and, you know, what do we do with their characters and, uh, how realistic do we want to play the healing and all that kind of stuff. So we have a lot of, uh, kind of a session zero document that we worked on ahead of time that Dan put together for us after we answered a lot of questions. And one of the questions we, uh, or one of the things that I brought to the table was that I asked people not to play their characters away from the table, meaning not write um, big backstories or extra things into the fiction away from the table that I am supposed to know about as a player or that my character should know about as a character because I'm not always good at reading those things and somehow they feel a little, um, it's not so much that they feel cheap. It's kind of like if they don't happen in the fiction, they don't feel real to me. And I have a trouble sort of keeping them in my head and respecting them and honoring that, you know, addition. And that's a kind of a personal failing. I, I felt like a, a dirt bag for actually asking them not to do that because that is the way some people have fun. But, uh, I, you know, I, saw what kind of reaction I got to that and it wasn't uh, wasn't strongly like oh that's no I want to do that uh, you know people weren't upset by it although I think uh, the other two guys Bill and JJ who are who are players in this campaign and dance campaign um, are both kind of history oriented and very detail oriented and they like to um, fill in a lot of the world very quickly uh, I'm a little slower uh, maybe a little slower mentally, <laughs> maybe a little less uh, organized in my thinking, and I kind of like to feel my way through the world as opposed to having things nailed down. So that's that's a difference between us that we had to kind of negotiate. Um, hopefully, we'll hit a happy medium, but it's it's interesting to uh, figure out how much of the fiction happens together as a group and how much of it happens in your head uh, away from the table or even in your head at the table where you have differences of ideas about what's going on with other people at the table and how that affects play. But uh, by and large, I agree. I like to have, uh, I like to have characters develop at the table. Uh, it's ironic because 
I mentioned that it's harder for me to plan out a character than it is to just be handed a pre-gen um, in terms of how happy I'm going to be with that character. Uh, obviously, it's harder because, you know, it, planning out a character takes planning. But what I mean is uh, if I have to plan out a character and get exactly what I want, quote unquote, exactly what I want with a character, I'm not necessarily any happier with that character than if I had just come to the table and you to hand me a sheet and said, this is the thing you're playing, right? This is the race, class, gender, whatever that you're playing. I'm just as happy playing that. And sometimes I'm happier. And I think it's because I like the challenge of being handed something and uh, trying to make a character out of it. And often for me, what makes a character has nothing to do with their race and class. (laughs) I mean, those things play into it for sure. But I guess I should say maybe a better way of saying that is often what makes a character has nothing to do with the mechanics on the sheet. Uh, Their heritage certainly matters. uh, So their race or where they grew up or their people matters, uh, their ways, their, uh, their, um, you know, backstory, but only so much as it emerges in play. Like when it comes up, like sometimes you'll wonder like, well, did I have parents? And, um, you know, of course you had parents, but I mean, did I, did I know my parents, uh, you know, as a character, and uh, that becomes a thing right there. Like you'd say, like, yeah, my father taught me this. Oh, look at that. I have a father. Um, <laughs> and uh, what happened to my father? Is he still alive? Is he not still alive? You know, some of those things that just you wonder about naturally at the table as they come up and you fill them in as you go and you make a little note like, yes, my father uh, is still alive and he's the, um, you know, he's the tribal leader uh, and he and I don't see eye to eye. He's, he's stuck in his uh, traditional ways. And I think it's time for us, you know, as Wood Elves to relate to um, the, out, the outside world. And uh, so we had a big falling out and I, I hit the road. See, I'm making all this up right now. And it's, it's like, that's interesting. You make it up right on the spot and then you live with it. You stick with it, right? Because that was true in the moment. Uh, if you plan too far ahead, it's almost like building up a stack of books that you're going to read. And then um, you have a free Saturday all of a sudden, months later, and you're trying to decide what you're going to read. And you're looking at that shelf of books and maybe none of them excite you because your brain has moved on, right? Uh, Or they arose out of a moment when you were thinking about what you should read or what somebody told you you should read versus what you really wanted to read. And I just don't, uh, it doesn't really work for me. It's just something about my personality. And I think I'm not alone in that. There's plenty of other people that way as well. Uh, That was a, that was a bit of a ramble there, but I think, you know, we can pull some lessons away from it, which is as players, it's okay to not have strong desires about, um, you know, initially about what you want your character to be. It's okay to be handed some things and then grow your character from inside that shell uh, rather than to develop the shell yourself. It's okay as a GM to hand people pre-gens. You know, you can ask them, is this fun for you uh, when you hand them a pre-generated character? And if not, like, how do we let you have space to negotiate your character? Um, I like uh, when I hand out pre-gens, I like to leave some blanks on them so that players can change them on the spot. And I think a lot of good GMs do that, you know, especially in con situations where people are being handed something. Give them something to do, right, to fill in a bond with another character or to choose their favorite weapon or whatever uh, to help them make the character their own, to help them invest. Um, and as, uh, let's see what else as players who maybe are planners, uh, learn to kind of respect the other players who don't like to plan too much, um, that like to just wait and see what happens, you know, play to find out what happens as they say in dungeon world. 
I don't know if Dungeon World came up with that or if it inherited that from Apocalypse World. I should know that, but I don't. My guess is that's something Vincent said in Apocalypse World, either directly or indirectly. So we'll, we'll give credit to him until I find out otherwise. Uh, play to find out what happens. It's super important, right? Super important. And it makes me think about another thing, which is uh, uh, that the GM's job is to play the story of the world right? To, to be the world and to say what the world does. And whether they pre-plan that or it's emergent, I don't know that it's all that important as long as they stick to the world and not try to play the story of the characters. In other words, not try to force a story on the characters. Um, the world can do what it's going to do, right? Maybe the world was headed in a certain direction and things were going to happen until the players intervened. And it's the GM's job to play that world and respond to what the characters are doing and not try to, uh, you know, to, to make sure that what they're doing remains meaningful and impactful and not negate it by just returning the story to some, uh, snapping it back to some idea that the GM had initially. And to never, never, never try to play out the character story because that's what players do. It's the player's job to play out the story of their characters and their group. So they're the ones that get to decide who their characters are, what their characters do, um, how their characters react to things. And, uh, and ultimately, um, between themselves, their decisions, their questions, their tactics, and the dice, they decide how successful their characters are, right? The GM really shouldn't be deciding how successful the characters are. Um, the dice should decide that and the player's tactics. The GM should be an adjudicator and listen and uh, say, well, the world was going to do this uh, or the world was set to do this thing and then the players interacted with it and here's what they said they were going to do and here's their level of success. So here's, here's what happens. The world changes as a result right? Either changes or doesn't change based on their, well, it always changes, right? Even if they fail, it changes. Uh, maybe that steps up the world's timeline that the thing that was going to do already, it does it faster or it does it in a different way because the players intervened even when they failed. Uh, you know, they changed things. The presence of the characters changes. <laughs> uh, I just deleted about four minutes worth of stuff. I got way off topic. Um, let me just say that somewhere along the line, I brought up the fact that Worf in Star Trek was a samurai uh, because I was talking about um, people making characters that don't fit into the world and GMs making worlds that don't have room for characters. So uh, <laughs> let's just bring it full circle and say that pre-planning a character too much can be problematic. You can be a rock in a stream, as it were. You can be so devoted to the idea of what your character is going to be that there's no room for change. There's no room for the world to change your character. And, uh, you know, of course, the opposite is true, that a GM can be so married to the story of the world that there's no room for the world to change based on your characters. And both of those things are wrong. Um, we need to make an impact on each other. It's not satisfying as a player if your character isn't making an impact on the world, especially when you succeed. And it's not satisfying as a GM when players have this adamantine idea about their characters that is not at all realistic or responsive to the world as it's as the you know as the scenarios present themselves and so it's an anathema to role playing i think to plan too hard or too much away from the table uh 
that's stated pretty strongly, and, and maybe some of that's my opinion. And there's certainly room for uh, what I like to call lonely fun. I, I engage in lonely fun all the time. Uh, there's certainly room to pre-plan ideas and thoughts that might happen as long as you're not so committed to them that uh, they aren't open to change. So that's what I had to say about characters and worlds and emergence and all that kind of jazz. That's probably enough on that subject and enough for today, but I did want to leave you with a quote from something I've been uh, reading. Specifically, I've been reading a bunch of blog entries through I Know Reader, kind of catching up on uh, what people have been saying about role-playing games out there in the blogosphere. And uh, this was a quote from a game called Sword and Backpack. I can't remember what blog I saw it on. Sword and Backpack, though, is... uh, Wow, it's an almost tongue-in-cheek presentation of about the simplest RPG rules imaginable. Uh, You basically roll a d20 to see if you do better or worse than average and then adjudicate. But it's framed in with a bunch of, you know, kind of poignant um, advice. And the game is designed in a kind of cool way where you, you print it out on a sheet of paper and then cut out these little individual panels that fit inside of a three and a half inch by five and a half inch mead uh, or moleskin notebook. And uh, so you, you paste them into your notebook and then you just uh, make notes as you go through the game. If you make a house rule or whatever, um, or how things go or bits of the world that you want to jot down. But, but uh, basically it's like pasting the rules in the front of your game diary. And they make uh, some cool little uh, thoughts on that in the fiction itself of the uh, fiction. I guess that's not the right word in the um, flavor text of the rules, I guess. And uh, it's just, you know, call it your spell book or your handy adventurer's journal. And it's just kind of a cool presentation. But here's the, here's the quote, and I'm going to probably try to verbally emphasize one little section of this. Okay, here we go. Uh, each player should possess a personal 20-sided die. The die is used to resolve combat, make skill rolls, and so on. Sharing a die is fine, but it's weak magic. In Sword and Backpack, dice aren't just tools. They're a direct line to fate, a link to the great mystery. As such, they should be respected. Your personal die should be carried in one's pocket at all times. It's a totem, respected as such. <laughs> I just love that line about um, a die being a direct line to fate, a link to the great mystery. And in honor of that, I've got a D20 in my pocket today. And it, it, it's funny how it makes you feel to walk around with a couple dice in your pocket, right? Um, I actually have a D20 and two D6s just because, right? Might as well. Um, And I feel like for some reason, there's going to be some point in my day where something happens and I'm going to have to decide it with a roll, you know, like uh, today is uh, every Thursday, a couple of my buddies and I have what we call chili cheese dog Thursday and uh, we get some really crappy hot dogs from Wiener Schnitzels and then we sit down and watch MASH or some other half hour sitcom from long ago uh, in our break room and just, uh, you know, have a half hour off work and, and enjoy ourselves. So today uh, I may let the dice decide whether I get a chili cheese dog or corn dogs or, or some other thing. I can narrow it down and then, and then roll for it. Or maybe I'll troll a D20 and then count down the menu until I find that thing. I'll let you know how it goes, but, uh, fate will decide. Fate will decide. That's it for today. I'm Ray Otis signing off. Thanks for listening. Uh, it's been another episode of Plundergrounds. And I don't even know what episode this is. I think it's 82 or 83, something like that. Logan Howard is the guy that does that opening theme song. You know you love it. You know you hum it in the shower. I do. 
And until next time, look out for those rest monsters.